Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. Oh, sorry, uh, the reading is Luke 22, uh, verses 39 to 52. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you do, will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Chowie. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we uh, come into your presence, uh, coming to your word tonight, many of our hearts are heavy as we come to consider how you approach suffering and how uh, you encouraged and taught your disciples, your followers, including us, in the face of suffering. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and encourage us? Would you speak to us tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, we, as Jonathan said, we are continuing, actually finishing our series uh, in following Jesus in Luke's Gospel tonight, and considering following Jesus in and around suffering. And next week, we're going to be starting a new uh, sermon series as we come into Lent. Um, and so we're just going to consider this idea of suffering as we follow the Lord. And I think the first thing just to say is that Jesus really suffered, and we kind of, we, we heard that in the reading, didn't we? The kind of anguish that he felt. And of course, as we know, Jesus went on to the cross. He suffered. He knows what it's like to be in pain, um, to be afraid. Uh, and an early heresy in the church well, was this idea that Jesus didn't really suffer. He just, it's just he appeared to suffer, called docetism. And the church recognized that this was not true. Jesus really did suffer because if he didn't, 
then he can't save us. He can't truly uh, sympathize with us. Jesus really did suffer. And we really suffer as well. You know, all of us, none of us are excluded. It's part of living in a fallen world. And perhaps this week and this, these last few years have really shown us uh, the reality of that fallen world that we uh, inhabit and live in. And you know, many of you, all of us, will have kind of stories of times and seasons of suffering that we've been going through, and perhaps you're right in the middle of it right now. And for those uh, perhaps at the kind of younger end of life, perhaps if you haven't, you think, I haven't experienced a time of significant suffering, I mean, the bad news is that you will at some point. Uh, it is just part of living uh, in the fallen world. Um, and of course, over the pandemic, all of us either know someone or have experienced ourselves some of that. Uh, Victor Hugo is a French author of the classic uh, novel Les Miserables, uh, wrote that those who do not weep do not see. Those who do not weep do not see. And he's picking up on this idea that you know, suffering is, is part of our experience and the proper reaction is grief, is tears. In a sense, it's not meant to be like this. And yet, Victor Hugo, through his writings and through his career, held on to the hope that Jesus offers us. Uh, and more on Victor Hugo uh, later, but I just wanted to start kind of with that quote from him. What I want to uh, look at from this passage is temptations that we face in suffering and look at three temptations that come out. Uh, this is a piece of art by one of my favorite Christian artists, uh, American uh, guy called Chris Powers, who um, kind of creates this art, particularly really drawing on uh, scripture. And this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying to his father. And the thing is, the devil wants to use our suffering as a way of turning us away from God. And yet Jesus says, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he says it twice in this passage. And so the key question that we have tonight is, how does Jesus respond both to his own suffering and how does he teach his followers, uh, that includes us, uh, to respond to suffering. So we're going to look at three temptations and then what Jesus' response is to each one of them. And the first one is a temptation to despair. In verses 41 to 44, if you've got a Bible or wants to hand, perhaps open to Luke 22 and um, track along. It says, Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. You know, Jesus knew that a time of intense suffering is approaching for him. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be mistreated, falsely tried in court. He's going to be executed on the cross where he's going to take a kind of the weight and the punishment of sin every person that's ever lived and ever will live. And it says that the, his sweat was like drops of blood. This actually is a, a real medical condition called 
I'll try and pronounce it right, hematidrosis. Uh, Now Luke, the author of Luke's Gospel, was a doctor. He was familiar with these things. And it's a real medical condition that's induced by extreme stress where the kind of blood vessels burst and blood mixes with your sweat. And Jesus was in this real moment of anguish. He knows what it's like to be in that, that place of extreme stress and fear. And you know, Jesus is afraid. He felt fear just like us, just like each one of us. You know, he knows what's coming ahead and he doesn't want to do it. And he's honest with God, his Father, in prayer. And you know, if Jesus can be honest, so can we. When we're in that place, or when we're seeing others in that place, we can be honest with God our Father in prayer. And you know, when we're afraid, we can be tempted to despair. You know, perhaps when our circumstances are scary, you know, when uh, our enemies seem to have the upper hand. You know, I wonder, are you in a place of fear tonight? You know, perhaps when God has called us to a certain place, to a certain people, to a certain task. You know, Jem shared about just obeying the call of God to a certain place. Perhaps God, the place he's called you to, uh, is something you're just not sure you can go through with it. You know, not sure you can see it to the end. We can be tempted to despair. And yet Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus depends on his Father in suffering. And fundamentally, prayer is is an expression that we need God. And often we kneel as we pray, just saying to God, we can't do this in our own strength, we need you. It says that Jesus prayed earnestly. He keeps on seeking his Father for help and for guidance. And Jesus' request, he says, if this cup can pass from me, and you know, the cup is this symbol of God's wrath from the Old Testament, the, the wrath that Jesus is going to take on himself on the cross. If there's another way, Lord, God, please may it be so. But this request is made like, in the context that God the Father knows what he's doing. So Jesus isn't rejecting his Father's will, but he's just being honest, expressing his fear. And you know, there's a, there's a saying, isn't there, of courage isn't the absence of fear, but it's feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And God can help us in those moments when we're tempted to despair. Second temptation we see is a temptation to withdraw. In verse 45, when Jesus rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So he gets back to his disciples and they've fallen asleep. And Luke adds this detail that they were exhausted from sorrow. And the Greek there is lupes. can also mean grief or sorrow. Can you relate to that this evening? Um, You know, the disciples have been worn out from a hectic week in Jerusalem with Jesus. They've gone all the way through from that triumphal entry as Jesus comes in. uh, And there's so much expectation and excitement for what's going to happen. But they also track through that week this rising opposition uh, that's 
and Jesus kind of keeping on telling them that he's going to be put to death. And now they're just so uncertain of what the future holds. And a psychological reaction to stress, I don't know if you've felt this, I certainly have, um, can be to sleep, you know, just to escape from it all to a place where we don't have control, uh, where we don't have to face the things that are going on. When we're exhausted, we can be tempted to withdraw. And I wonder, have you ever had times or situations where like, you just feel like you're done, you know, at the end of your strength, at the end of your tether, at the end of your ability to cope? Do you ever feel like you know, you're beaten or nearly beaten you just can't go on in a particular area of life. Well, Jesus says to his followers, says to us, get up and pray. And in those situations where we're tempted to withdraw, to give up, Jesus actually calls us to engage, you know, to step forward, to step out, to seek him. And, you know, we don't follow Jesus in our own strength. He helps us by his spirit. He's available to us in prayer. We're not doing this on our own. The disciples weren't and nor are we. And this isn't a harsh rebuke from Jesus. I think it's an invitation. An invitation for us to look to God and base our strength in him rather than on ourselves, on our strength, our resources, our circumstances. And I wonder if you're feeling like exhausted, if you're feeling ready to withdraw, you know, if you're feeling ready to throw in the towel, which is what, kind of what boxers do, what their teammates do. If they're really getting beaten and it's time to concede, they'll throw in the towel. If you're kind of feeling in that place tonight, then hear the invitation of Jesus. You can get up and pray. Bring it to Jesus. Um, He's no stranger to suffering. He went to the cross for you and for me. When we're tempted to withdraw, Jesus says, get up and encourages us to pray. And the third temptation, this temptation of revenge from verse 49. When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. He touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers and the elders who'd come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you've come out with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you didn't lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. The disciples' reaction to Jesus being threatened is to like respond like for like with violence. They draw their swords. And immediately before tonight's passage, there's this kind of cryptic exchange between Jesus and his disciples where Jesus says, if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. And really Jesus is saying that that a time's coming now where you have to be ready and watchful and prayerful. Uh, But the disciples, classic, completely misunderstand him. They say, oh, we've got two swords right here, uh, to which Jesus says, that's enough. Um, And now they reach for those swords that they have, and they use them. And, you know, when we've been wronged, we can have that temptation to revenge, can't we? And there's this innate human desire that we have that's given to us by God, 
that seeks justice when we see something wrong done to someone who doesn't deserve it, someone who's innocent. And you know, it's so easy, isn't it, to hit back or to console ourselves with plans of revenge or bitterness for others. But Jesus calls us to another way. Am I leading a rebellion? No. Augustine, fourth century theologian and bishop, uh, once wrote that resentment or unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And it's so true. And Jesus calls us to another way. Uh, last week, James uh, was preaching to us about love for enemies. Um, and he challenged us to live a life where the goal is love. And it's not something that's just a, an instant thing. It's a process. Jesus calls us to that way of life. And that's his response. Am I leading a rebellion? Let's not take matters into our own hands. That's exactly what the disciples do. Uh, John identifies the disciple who reached out with the sword as Peter. And he cuts off the servant of the high priest's ear. Uh, and that's a really significant gesture. Because with having lost uh, his ear, that's servant wouldn't be able to be, wouldn't be able to minister in the temple. So he'd be out of a job because you couldn't go into uh, the temple if you um, had any kind of disfigurement of your body. And it's this sense of Peter kind of saying, well, you're separating us. You're separating me from my master. I'm going to separate you from yours. But do you notice how Jesus immediately like prevents the escalation? He immediately reaches out and heals this man's ear. And, you know, just as we've been seeing that escalation and violence, particularly in Ukraine, over this past week, these past weeks, so too that can be taking place in our, the human heart, in each of our hearts as well, can't it? When we're in those difficult situations and seasons. St. Paul, elsewhere in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, wrote, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. God is just and as hard as it is, we need to leave it to him. And really fascinatingly, after this occasion, never again does, does Jesus follow. It's never going to Peter or the church, the early church in Acts and beyond, use violence, but they always turn to prayer. They learn the lesson. Uh, but here, they reach out. They succumb to that temptation to revenge. And as well as not taking matters into our own hands, let's be peacemakers. Be a peacemaker, just as James was praying. Lord, would you raise up peacemakers in our generation, how we need them. In a culture which is so retributive, you just have to look on uh, social media to see uh, one wrong thing, one wrong word or something in your past and the, the kind of retribution comes crashing down. How we need peacemakers in our culture and how we see the use of force, particularly on the international stage at the moment. How we need people to stand up in the name of Jesus for peace. So those are the kind of three temptations and just want to kind of draw things um, together by saying really what we see in this passage I believe is that God is with us so that 
The solution is being with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Back to Victor Hugo, wrote his masterpiece, Les Miserables. Um, you may have seen the, the film, or one of the films, or the musical. Um, and in Les Mis, um, one, of the, one of the stories that's told is the story of a man called Jean Valjean, um, who has, he's dealt a really bad hand in life. He suffered so much. Uh, he's put in prison for 20 years just for stealing a loaf of bread to feed his starving family. And, you know, in that place, he just becomes so bitter and filled with anger and hatred. He's released from prison and, and is shown an incredible act of kindness by a Christian um, who kind of has mercy on him when he steals, it's this bishop, you may be familiar with the story, he steals this bishop's silver, is caught and brought back, um, and the bishop just says, it was a gift, and actually, you left the best, take, these, take this extra as well. And this encounter kind of with Jesus through this Christian completely changes the trajectory of Valjean's life despite all the suffering that he had been through. Um, we're going to just play a short clip from, uh, from the musical. Um, I find this to be a very moving scene. This is just after kind of Valjean is, um, yeah, he's just wrestling with what has happened. He's had this act of mercy and grace on him. So let's just watch that now. What have I done, sweet Jesus? What have I done? Become a thief in the night, become a dog on the run. Have I fallen so far and is the hour so late? That nothing remains but the cry of my hate The cries in the dark that nobody hears Here where I stand at the turning of the years If there's another way to go I missed it twenty long years ago My life was a war that could never be won They gave me a number and they murdered Valjean When they chained me and left me for dead Just for stealing a mouthful of bread I allow this man to touch my soul and teach me love. He treated me like any other. He gave me his trust. He called me brother. My life he claims for God above. Can such things be? For I had come to hate the world. That always hated me. Take an eye for an eye. Turn your heart into stone. This is all I have lived for. This is all I am now. One word from him, and I'd be back. Beneath the lash upon the rack Instead he offers me my freedom I feel my shame inside me Like a knife He told me that I have a soul 
how does he know what spirit comes to move my life? <laughs> Is there another way to go? I am reaching, but I fall. And the night is closing in As I stare into the void To the whirlpool of my sin I'll escape now from that world From the world of Jean Valjean Jean Valjean is nothing now such a moving uh, scene quite early on in the story. And if you haven't engaged with Les Mis, haven't kind of watched the film, I'd really encourage you uh, to do so. You know, Valjean's life is completely turned around. You know, he sings at the end there as he rips up the, the probation papers, the thing that uh, kind of marks him as a prisoner is going to control him for the rest of his life. And he says, another story must begin faced with the grace of Jesus and the presence of Jesus in that, that person he met who'd had grace on him, he, he finds another way open to him. And you know, in the song he sings, if there's another way to go, I missed it 20 long years ago. My life was a war that could never be won. And if that resonates with you tonight, if there's something I don't know, in your past, you know, something that was done to you or done to someone else that you know, and that's kind of been a wound ever since, then hear that good news that our God is the God of redemption, of second chances, of restoration, the God who is with us. And you know, later on in uh, the story, uh, Valjean's past kind of catches up with him. He doesn't have it easy, but he always knows God's presence with him. And later he, uh, he, he says, my soul belongs to God, I know. I made that bargain long ago. He gave me hope when hope was gone. He gave me strength to journey on. And that is true for each one of us in Jesus because we never suffer alone. Even if you feel totally isolated, trapped, helpless, nothing can prevent God's presence from being with you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Father is available to us. Let's be honest with him, just as Jesus was honest in prayer. And know that the Father, God the Father loves you with an everlasting love and is for you wants to heal you. The Son, Jesus, encourages us. And through our temptations, each of the temptations we tracked through that the disciples encountered, Jesus was with them. You know, he's the one who wakes them up from their sleep and encourages them to pray. He's the one who stops them as they turn to violence and he heals the damage that's inflicted. You know, by living a human life, he's familiar with our sufferings, with yours and with mine. And he went to the cross for you and for me. And as we receive communion in just a moment, that's an opportunity to recognize Christ's presence with us. Take this 
take this with you. Take his presence with you as you go out tonight. And finally, the Holy Spirit comforts us. Jesus is strengthened by God as he prays, and so are we when we pray. You know, when we're in that place of being tempted to despair or withdraw or seek revenge, the Holy Spirit comes and comforts us, makes us aware of God's presence. Again, St. Paul in Romans says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes with groans beyond words. And you know, the Gospel of Luke doesn't end here. It doesn't end in chapter 22 in the Garden of Gethsemane where that hour of darkness has come. But actually, three days later, the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. What good news. And so we can be confident in the presence of God with us. And may all of us live in, or learn to live that life of prayer. It's not easy, but Jesus calls us to it, that prayer against temptation when we find ourselves in the place of suffering. Let's pray. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you want to tell your story through each one of us and for us together as your church, as your family. And we just uh, come before you, I don't know if a particular, one of those particular temptations resonated with you. Lord, we offer our hearts before you. We open our hearts to you. You who uh, sees those secret things within. You who knows what we're going through. You who is able to sympathize, to empathize with us. And we pray, Lord, would you keep us from those temptations to withdraw, to despair, to seek revenge. And may we know you with us and living through us uh, this week and beyond. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to